Welcome to The Podlight, a news podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm Joseph Jiha, senior reporter at San Jose Spotlight. In 2022, San Jose Spotlight and the First Amendment Coalition sued the city of San Jose and its former mayor, Sam Licardo, for improperly withholding public records, redacting information without adequate reasoning, and failing to conduct thorough searches for records. A judge last month ruled that the city and Licardo, who almost exclusively used his private Gmail account for public business, violated state transparency laws when they failed to explain how they searched the mayor's private emails and texts for public records. San Jose has been ground zero for this issue. When Licardo was still a council member, the city was sued for withholding private emails, and the California Supreme Court in 2017 made a landmark ruling that communications sent or received from private accounts and devices are public records if they deal with city business. Joining me now to talk about what last month's ruling means for government transparency and accountability in California are attorneys Carl Olson and David Loy. Olson, who represented San Jose Spotlight in the lawsuit, was one of the attorneys who litigated the 2017 Supreme Court case. Loy is the legal director of the First Amendment Coalition, a nonprofit that fights for free speech, open government, and the people's right to know. David and Carl, welcome to the Podlight. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, great to be here. All right. Thank you both. Well, Carl, I, I want to start with you. This is your second time taking on San Jose and Mayor Licardo in court and you were victorious again. Why did you take on this fight on behalf of San Jose Spotlight? Well, uh, you know, it was a no-brainer. I mean, access to information about the conduct of the people's business is a fundamental and necessary right of every person in this state. And you have a situation where Mayor Licardo was essentially thumbing his nose at a California Supreme Court decision. And, you know, he was by exclusively using his private phone to conduct public business and and texting to his heart's content with lobbyists, etc., He was basically saying Supreme Court decisions are for other people. And he was basically being a a repeat offender. And so, you know, as somebody that's spent my career fighting for openness in government, it was just a no-brainer to get involved. Mm, well, we well we appreciate your work in the case, and could could you just go a bit further and tell listeners why the judge's ruling, Judge Coonley's ruling, is significant, uh, and what it might mean for other agencies or public officials who might sometimes use private email to conduct business and possibly skirt some public disclosure laws. Well, it's significant for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that you know I know just from talking to people uh, that represent government agencies that this case was closely watched up and down the state. Obviously, Licardo was the mayor of a city with a million people. Uh, And of course, you know, the Supreme Court's decision on this issue is, is called City of San Jose versus Superior Court. 
So uh, it was a closely watched case, and it was really important to try and hold the city accountable. And, you know, people like Mayor Licardo, you know, uh, they don't really care that much about the taxpayer dollars. So, you know, even though when you win a Public Records Act, you know, the city may have to pay the attorney's fees incurred by the people that fought the battle. They don't care about that. It's not coming out of their pocket. But what folks like Licardo do care deeply about is their own public image. And Licardo and office holders like him have armies of PR people that we, the taxpayers, are paying for. And they're tremendously conscious of their public image. So when a case like this results in a decision that the mayor did not do an adequate search, uh, it, it can hurt him at the ballot box. And, you know, for somebody like Locardo, who is tremendously ambitious, you know, they care about that. And, you know, I, I think people up and down the state who are looking at this are saying, hey, you know, if this is going to hurt my image, maybe I should actually do what the Supreme Court says you have to do. Um, it's a public record, and maybe I should use or copy a government device because I'm going to get found out anyway. I think that's that's some of the impact that hopefully this case will have. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Carl. And, and David, we're going to go same question for you here. In your view, what was the significance of this victory for San Jose Spotlight and the First Amendment Coalition? And and what impact do you see it might, uh, you know, see that it might have going forward? This case was based on comprehensive public records requests from Spotlight and First Amendment Coalition that were designed to expose the full extent to which Mayor Licardo was in fact using his private emails and private text messages to do public business. As, as Carl said, this has been an ongoing problem in San Jose and perhaps elsewhere. And so this case, in many respects, was a follow-on to the Supreme Court decision in the city of San Jose. The Supreme Court decision established the principle. These are public records. If you do public business on private platforms, they're still public records. So this case was the next step. How much, to what extent, was the mayor doing this? With whom? What were they talking about? What was being discussed? There is no, as Carl said, there is no accountability without transparency. And so this lawsuit was designed to force the transparency uh, that would enable the people to decide whether and to what extent to hold former Mayor Licardo accountable at the ballot box for how he does public business on private platforms. And, you know, as we've, you know, we made the records requests, the city in fairness did produce a number of records before we filed suit. However, the production was very substantially incomplete and inconsistent. We knew from the records we got that there were other records which had not been produced, especially multiple text messages, including text messages to, for example, the attorney general, 
of the state. So these are not text messages about where am I going for dinner. These are text messages about fundamental issues of public business, never disclosed, never produced. The city also continued to withhold a number of documents asserting various exemptions. So the lawsuit was filed, and you know, as a result of the lawsuit, first, the city at two different times produced two tranches of public records that it had never previously disclosed. So right there, that's a win. We, the city continued to withhold a little over 300 additional records. We fought that out in court. The city was then forced to disclose almost 200 more records, all of significant news value, as Spotlight has reported. Uh, and so right there, that's a win. We held the city accountable to its obligations to disclose public records. And as you noted, the judge found that the mayor, the former mayor, and the city dropped the ball. They did not comply with their obligations to conduct an adequate search for public records on the mayor's personal emails and text accounts. And that is that may sound like a technical issue, but that is foundational to transparency because the agency cannot produce what it does not have control over. It can't produce records that are requested if it doesn't go find them first, collate them and disclose them. And there is zero evidence that former Mayor Licardo ever actually went through his own phone went through his own emails and said, hey, this is a public record. This should be produced. The city talked a lot about general practices and general procedures and, you know, but there was zero evidence as to what he actually did and zero evidence that, that they were in fact trained in any meaningful way on how to extract public records from private platforms. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. Hello, Josh Bruce here, co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. Did you know that San Jose Spotlight is Silicon Valley's only nonprofit news organization? That's right. Our impact journalism is funded by generous readers like you. And this year, we have plans to expand our reporting to other cities in Santa Clara County. If you find value in our reporting, consider becoming a sustaining member today with a monthly or annual recurring donation by visiting our website, sanjosespotlight.com. Thank you. As you walk around the neighborhood, you may have noticed that yards have evolved with less grass and more native plants. How is your yard looking? Are you ready to replace your water-thirsty lawn and create a modern and beautiful water-efficient landscape? If you live in Santa Clara County, Valley Waters rebates can help you pay to upgrade. Visit watersavings.org today to evolve your yard. And thank you, David. I appreciate you going over the various facets there for us. And we'll go back to Carl for a little bit more on this issue of using uh, a private email account or private text message accounts uh, for public business. So, Carl, that's not really illegal, right? A public official can use their private uh, accounts for public business. But can you tell us a little bit about how it might hinder a government agency's ability to locate those records, as David's was, David was just saying, when they're requested by journalists or members of the public? How does it make it harder for the public, for the, uh, public agency, like a city, um, to work around those issues when a, when a public official is using their private accounts for public business? Well, in the Supreme Court decision, uh, one of the primary issues was that uh, the government agencies, and it wasn't just San Jose, there were 
agencies up and down the state that were arguing as friends of the court in favor of San Jose. And they said, you know, it could be an invasion of privacy if the government has to search somebody's private phone. And so what the Supreme Court said, and and they followed a, a Washington Supreme Court case, which had reached the same conclusion, was that as long as they do it in good faith, then the office holder who's using uh, his or her private phone, they can do it themselves and the, and the agency can rely on it. But there's a pretty important caveat there, which is they have to do it in good faith. And so when you have a situation like you had here where Licardo was conducting a lot of business, including with lobbyists and the attorney general on his private phone, you have a real problem if he's the one that is supposed to do the search and if he doesn't do it and if he deletes records. And there's strong indications that he deleted all these records because we got emails from the city that referred to people having texted with Licardo, but the texts never showed up. So when the city staffers were doing a search for emails, the emails showed up. But when Licardo was supposedly in charge of searching his phone for texts, they never showed up. And there are strong indications that he deleted things. And there are strong indications that people in the mayor's office were encouraged to engage in, quote, good email hygiene. And that maybe that meant delete stuff. So it's essentially an honor system, what you're saying, when when public officials have to search their own devices and accounts for private text messages about public business. It relies on them. It relies on on an honor system. It relies on an honor system. And when you have somebody who has a history of being dishonorable, uh, it doesn't work. And, and it's a problem not just in San Jose, San Jose, although it's particularly egregious here, but, you know, we've dealt with situations like in the city of Stockton where uh, council members were in charge of searching their private phones and stuff just didn't show up. Um so when you have folks like Licardo who have this history of engaging in backroom deals and trying to avoid transparency, it can create a huge problem. And that's why, you know, like in the federal government, federal employees are required to use or copy a government email device when they're doing public business. And some folks 
may recall that that caused a problem um, for Hillary Clinton, um, who, you know, was apparently using a private email device for some communications. And she got a raft of, to use a legal phrase, she got a raft of shit for that. And it may have resulted in, you know, Donald Trump being elected and all of the nightmare that uh, that that resulted in. So using or copying a government email device, uh, you know, it's just a tremendously important thing. The Supreme Court said that agencies uh, should consider adopting policies to that effect. And, and, and really, that is something that really needs to happen. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, you're referring to that same uh, California Supreme Court case that you were on uh, in 2017 that we referred to earlier. So um, they have said that cities and public agencies could adopt such a policy, right, to make sure that they can avoid these issues down the road. Um, I have a couple questions for David. Um, so yeah, go, building off of what uh, Carl just just telling us about, what what changes or reforms do you think need to happen to ensure that elected officials, both here in San Jose and of course across the state, don't use uh, private emails or private text messages or other private accounts to conceal records from the public? I think we need two interrelated sets of of changes and reforms. One, as Carl said, is a clear consistent and clearly enforced policy at all levels of government that if you're going to do public business, you have to use or at least copy an official account. Because as, as we found in this case, it's, it simply doesn't work to trust people to search their own phones and emails. And I, you know, good faith or bad faith, human nature is what it is. And people can't be trusted to dig out the embarrassing or potentially embarrassing facts about themselves in the public records. So what needs to happen is there needs to be uh, uh, independent or at least, uh, you know, a fully staffed, you know, public records office in any given agency which has the independent ability to conduct those searches and extract those public records when they're requested. But that can't be done if the records are sitting on the former mayor's cell phone, the former mayor's Gmail account. They need to be centralized within official accounts and platforms to enable a fully staffed and funded records officer or officers to do those searches and produce those records. So that's the first bucket of reforms. The second is clearly defined and rigorously enforced retention policies so that people are not freestyling how long they keep their messages and, and under what circumstances. You know, one issue, and we don't really know, is maybe the mayor, former mayor, was simply deleting text messages as he sent them. We just don't know. But that's a serious problem. If officials can be texting lobbyists on the side and then either never retain them or delete them, they're doing public business on a private platform in secret. And that is antithetical to the transparency mandated by the Public Records Act. You know, so one is user copy official accounts. Two is uh, clear 
uh, and consistent and meaningful retention policies for, for public records. Because a lot of this case, a lot of the problem in this lawsuit could have been avoided if the city of San Jose had simply had its public records house in order. If the city had clearly enforced and rigorously defined user copy requirements and retention policies, this lawsuit need never have happened. They could have produced all the records we were seeking and we wouldn't have had to sue because I want to step back for a second. I mean, I'm proud to litigate public records cases. Carl has been doing this his whole career and I have immense respect for that. But at some level, there's a systemic failure if people like Carl and I have to get involved to file those lawsuits. We shouldn't have to. The agencies, the cities, the counties, the school districts, they should be keeping their house in order, producing records when requested, because at the end of the day, the public loses if they don't get prompt disclosure of public records. And I'm proud to litigate these cases and hold agencies' feet to the fire, but we shouldn't have to. And so one of the messages I hope the city of San Jose will take and other agencies will take from this case is get your public records house in order. Don't make people like Carl and me come and have to sue you. We will if we have to, but don't make us because by the time we have to do that, at some level, the public has already lost. Yeah. And as you both have alluded to here, I mean, the city of San Jose has, this is not the first time they have been on the losing side of a public records case. And as a result of that, they've, you know, had to, and will maybe continue to have to pay out um, sums of attorney's fees. And also they have to pay for their own attorney's time and effort and, uh, and, you know, uh, you know, emotional and knowledge labor into a case. Um, So certainly there are costs um, kind of throughout the process um, of a public records act lawsuit. Um, and, and David, just to ask you to expound a bit on what Carl was telling us a bit about how federal employees are already required to have this use or copy um, policy, right? Use your public account for all public business or at least copy your public email account or your public text account, et cetera. I mean, can you can you talk a little bit more about how successful that is and how that process works? I mean, do, do we actually think that this is uh, something that would address a lot of the issues that we're talking about or would it also fall to the same uh, concern of the honor system, which is the public official needs to remember to copy or needs to be honorable and copy their account. I mean, it still doesn't seem like a perfect system, but maybe you can address some of how it works and why it's a, a strength. Well, there is no perfect system for anything. Any system has challenges. Any system has costs and benefits. But you know, if I'm looking to design a system that is more likely to succeed at promoting transparency and giving the public the information it needs, I think a system that requires officials to use or copy official accounts is a very good start. And it's an easy, you know, easy thing to enforce. If they're not doing it, it's pretty obvious and they're not generating emails and texts on official accounts. Whoever's, you know, overseeing those officials can hold them accountable to that and say, why aren't you doing this? And it's a pretty obvious tell if they're not because nobody does business anymore without some form of electronic communication. So it's, so that's, it's that's a, something the cities and the public agencies can help oversee their elected officials with, just like they might on other policies where they advise public officials on how to properly uh, act within the law or within the policies of a public agency. They can remind them of this as well. They can, they can ask and check in. Absolutely. And, and these policies need to have real teeth with real consequences. If transparency is a priority, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Make it happen. Don't make it the last job of government. Make it the first. 
So I think that it, it, it is important. It's not perfect, but it, I think it's a necessary precondition. Thank you, David. And Carl, um, we're going to wrap up here, but I want to ask you both. So we'll go, go to Carl now. If there's any other policy changes uh, that you think would strengthen California's Public Records Act, right, the way it actually is governed right now and the, and the, the requirements it in, imposes on public agencies to ensure that government accountability is upheld and, and to protect the public's right to know what elected officials are up to. Are there any changes you'd like to see or any strengthening uh, bits uh, that you'd like to see added to that law? Well, Consumer Watchdog uh, is about to start gathering uh, signatures for a statewide initiative measure that would strengthen uh, the Public Records Act and that would require agencies to retain records. And so I think that would really be a a strong uh, step in the right direction. And I hope the folks listening to this uh, will sign uh, the petitions to get that on the ballot. Uh, I suspect it'll probably face some strong opposition from some of the folks in government and, you know, what I would call the secrecy lobby, but, uh, you know, it would really be a a step in the right direction. There was a measure called Prop 59 that was on the ballot in 2004, and it passed with 83% support, you know. It's hard to get 83% of the people to vote in favor of motherhood and apple pie, but that shows that, um, People do really support transparency and openness. And and the problem is that even when you have something that's in the state constitution, you have politicians that, you know, it's kind of in their DNA to avoid being held accountable. Uh, And so it's an ongoing fight uh, for transparency and openness in government, but it is, as our Supreme Court has said, essential to the functioning of a democracy. So that's one step, and you know, getting a requirement to use or copy a government device would would be another uh, strong step that can be taken. So, folks, you know. Keep the pressure on your government officials and try and keep them honest and accountable. Well, thank you, Carl. And David, uh, to wrap up for us here, same question. I know you already kind of expounded upon some ideas that you'd like to see and how those can make it make things better. Anything else you'd like to add that you'd like to see coming out of the, you know, the ruling here in San Jose and, and across California? I want public agencies to really make transparency their first duty, not their last, you know. It sounds like a civics class, it sounds like a cliche, but there is no true democracy without accountability. There is no true accountability without transparency. This is a constitutional obligation in California. As Carl mentioned, Prop 59 and later Prop 42, uh, a few years later, made it a constitutional obligation of public agencies to 
comply with public records and open meetings laws. You know, the people amended the Constitution to make this not just, you know, a whim of the legislature. It is fundamental to democracy in California. And I think public agencies should be treating it as more fundamental than they seem to. And I understand there are costs, there are burdens, but there is a cost to everything. And this should be job one, not 120. Well, thank you both, uh, David Loy and Carl Olson. We really appreciate you both coming on to the show today to take uh, take some time and, and share your knowledge with us and your expertise. That's where we're going to leave it for today. So thank you both again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm senior reporter Joseph Jiha. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.